0: Chapter thirteen of an Outback Marriage by Andrew Barton Patterson This Librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Arrowhead Ozzie Chapter thirteen The RIVALS For the next couple of weeks, affairs at Curryong flowed on in usual station style. A saddle horse was brought in for Miss Grant, and out of her numerous boxes that young lady produced a Bond Street outfit that fairly silenced criticism. She rode well, too, having been taught in England, and she, Poss, Bingy, and Hugh had some great scampers after kangaroos, half-wild horses, or anything else that would get up and run in front of them. She was always so fresh, cheerful, and ready for any excitement that the two boys became infatuated in four days, and had to be hunted home on the fifth, or they would have both proposed. Some days she spent at the homestead housekeeping, cooking and giving out rations to swagmen, the wild half-crazed travellers who came in at sundown for the dole of flour tea and sugar which was theirs by bush custom some days she spent with the children and with them learnt a lot of bush life it being holiday time they practically ran wild all over the place spending whole days in long tramps to remote parts in pursuit of game they had no play as that term is known to english children they didn't play at being hunters they were hunters in real earnest and their habits and customs had come to resemble very closely those of savage tribes that lived by the chase. With them, Mary had numberless new experiences. She got accustomed to seeing the boys climb big trees by cutting steps in the bark with a tomahawk, going out on the most giddy heights after birds' nests, or dragging the opossum from his sleeping-place in a hollow limb. She learned to hold a frenzied fox-terrier at the mouth of the hollow log, ready to pounce on the kangaroo rat which had taken refuge there, and was flashed out as if shot from a catapult on being poked from the other end with a long stick. She learned to mark the hiding place of the young wild ducks that scuttled and dived and hid themselves with such supernatural cunning in the reedy pools. She saw their native companions, those great, solemn grey birds, go through their fantastic and intricate dances, forming squares, pirouetting, advancing, and retreating with the solemnity, of professional dancing-masters she lay on the river-bank with the children gun in hand breathless with excitement waiting for the rising of the duckbill platypus that quaint combination of fish flesh and fowl as he dived in the quiet waters a train of small bubbles marking his track she fished in deep pools for the great sleepy hundred-pound codfish that sucked down bait and hook holus bolus and then were hauled in with hardly any resistance and lived for days contentedly tethered to the bank by a line through their gills in these amusements time passed pleasantly enough and by the time schoolwork was resumed mary grant had become one of the family of hugh she at first saw little his work took him out on the run all day long looking after sheep in the paddocks or perhaps toiling day after day in the great dusty drafting yards in the cool of the afternoon the two girls would often canter over the four miles or so of timbered country to the yards and wait till hugh had finished his day's work as a rule Poss or benjy perhaps both were in attendance to escort miss harriet with the result that hugh and mary found themselves paired off to ride home together before long he found himself looking forward to these rides with more anxiety than he cared to acknowledge and in a very short time he was head over ears in love with her. Any man, being much alone with any woman in a country house, will fall in love with her, but a man such as Hugh Gordon, ardent, imaginative, and very young, meeting every day a woman as beautiful as Mary Grant, was bound to fall a victim. He soon became her absolute worshipper. All day long, in the lonely rides through the bush, in the hot and dusty hours of the sheepyards, through the pleasant, lazy canter home in the cool of the evening, his fancies were full of her, her beauty and her charm. It was happiness enough for him to be near her, to feel the soft touch of her hand, to catch the faint scent that seemed to linger in her hair. After the day's work they would stroll together about the wonderful old garden, and watch the sunlight die away on the western hills, and the long strings of wild fowl hurrying down the river to their nightly haunts. Sometimes he would manage to get home for lunch, and afterwards, on the pretext of showing her the run, would saddle a horse for her, and off they would go for a long ride through the mountains, or there were sheep to inspect, or fences to look at. An excuse for an excursion was never lacking. For the present he made no sign. He was quite contented to act as confidant and adviser. and many a long talk they had together over the various troubles that beset the manager of a station. It would hardly be supposed that a girl could give much advice on such matters and at first her total ignorance of the various difficulties amused him. But when she came to understand them better, her cool common sense compelled his admiration. His temperament was nervous and excitable, and he let things fret him. She took everything in a cheery spirit, and laughed him out of his worries. One would not expect to find many troubles in rearing sheep and selling their wool, but the management of any big station is a heavy task, and Kuryong would have driven Job mad the sheep themselves to begin with seem always in league against their owners merinos though apparently estimable animals are in reality dangerous monomaniacs whose sole desire is to ruin the man that owns them their object is to die and to do so with as much trouble to their owners as they possibly can they die in the droughts when the grass roasted to a dull white by the sun comes out by the roots and blows about the bare paddocks they die in the wet the long grass in the sodden gullies breed fluke and bottle and all sorts of hideous complaints they get burnt in bushfires from sheer malice refusing to run in any given direction but charging round and round in a ring till they are calcined they get drowned by refusing to leave flooded country though hunted with frenzied earnestness it was not the sheep so much as the neighbours whose depredations were drawing lines on hugh gordon's face i wouldn't care he confided to miss grant if they only took a beast or two but the sheep are gone by the hundreds we mustered five hundred short in one paddock this month and there isn't a doyle or a donohoe cow but has three calves at least and two of each three belong to us he dared not prosecute them no local jury would convict in face of the hostilities that would be aroused they had made alibis a special study the very judges were staggered by the calmness and plausibility with which they got themselves out of difficulties A big station with a lot of hostile neighbors is like a whale with the killers round it. It is open to attack on all sides, and cannot retaliate. A match dropped carelessly in a patch of grass sets miles of country in a blaze. Hugh, as he missed the stock and saw fences cut and grass burnt, could only grind his teeth and hope that a lucky chance would put some of the enemy in his power. To Mary it seemed incredible that in the nineteenth century people should be able to steal sheep without suffering for it and Hugh soon saw that she was a true daughter of William Grant, as far as fighting was concerned. She listened with set teeth to all stories of depredation and trespass, and they talked over many a plan together, but though they became quite friendly, their intimacy seemed to make no progress. To her he was rather the employee than the friend. In fact, he did not get on half so far as did Gavin Blake, who came up to Currey Young occasionally, and made himself so agreeable that already his name was being coupled with that of the heiress Ellen Harriet always spoke to Blake when he came to the station and gave no sign of jealousy at his attentions to Mary Grant, but she was waiting and watching as one who has been a nurse learns to do, and things were in this state when an unexpected event put an altogether different complexion on affairs. End of chapter thirteen.